In the name of God, our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. Amen. Friends, this is how it happens. This is how it happens that an African-American priest gets a chance to share with you someone else's issue besides an issue of race and ethnicity. This is how it happens. It happens when enough white people among us also care enough about race matters to speak out about Black Lives Matter so that your priest here today can speak out about some other lives that also matter. In this case, another group that I hear Jesus calling us to talk about today. In today's gospel, Jesus exhorts us to welcome a prophet in the name of a prophet in order to receive a prophet's award and says that whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple will not lose their reward. It's reward I'm talking about today. I've been coveting the reward for our church for several years now, and I think I got closer to achieving it a few years ago when I heard this prophetic challenge from one of our cathedral street friends. Let's call him Trevor. Don't call us homeless, Trevor said to me a few years ago. Why do you say that? I responded. Because it's a way of saying we're second-class citizens, he answered. It's like you're saying we don't belong here when you use the word homeless. But we do belong here, just, by any, just like anybody else. Just because we don't own a house or have an apartment to live in doesn't mean we shouldn't be treated like everyone else. He concluded, we belong here too. It's just that we happen to be living on the streets. Our home is the streets, he concluded. Then what do you want to be called? I shot back at him a little defensively. Street people, he declared. Just call us street people. Now you notice I was a little defensive when I asked him that question, what do you want to be called? And right there, I was at risk for failing to inherit the reward that Jesus promises when we welcome prophetic messengers as we would welcome him. That's right, and even give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple in order to inherit a reward. Now, the reward I was on the verge of losing in my resistance to Trevor's prophetic challenge is one that I covet for all of us in our beloved community of this gathered church. And to explain that kind of reward, I need to go back a little bit in today's scriptures to the context in which Jesus makes his reading, the gospel reading heard. He's talking to his disciples and giving them instructions, as he says, while sending them out into the world like sheep in the midst of wolves. And he says to them, just a few verses before, that they're at risk They're at risk for loving family members more than they love him. And here he's using that word family members 
as a metaphor, as a cover for all the kinds of affinities that we have to other loves besides the love that he calls us to. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter is not more than me is not worthy of me. And then he concludes with this hallmark, this signature statement, this key metaphor of our Christian discipleship. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That's where the code is decoded about mothers and fathers and sons and daughters. It's our affinities that need to be crucified so that we can follow him. The key metaphor of carrying our own cross, crucifying those attachments and commitments that keep us from following the way of beloved community. That's the reward. That's the reward we're offered, we're challenged to achieve. Especially in this season, this season of street protests and presidential politics. It's our affinities that are getting in the way of one another that are keeping us from achieving the kind of beloved community we're called to. By affinities, again, I mean personal proclivities, inclinations, preferences, attachments, biases, and prejudices that pit us against one another and keep us from the kind of community that our gospel calls us to. Now, to get to that kind of reward, I uh, need to share with you my own challenge around some of these uh, counsels. How have I practiced this so that I can also exhort you to do the same? Some of you got, you've gotten to know me over these 20 years that I've been one of your priests You may know that I came from an African-American middle-class family, that my parents were Morehouse and Spelman college graduates, Uh, two master's degrees each, my mom going on to get a doctorate in ministry, my father a law degree. We were part of that black professional uplift movement. And for my own part, I managed to follow through on that, to avoid the blight, to escape the blight on on black boys, black young men who end up either getting killed or imprisoned. And instead, just stayed in school mostly, long enough to end up here on the faculty of Emory University and as one of your priests. So far, so good. But along the way, along the way, I incurred some middle-class affinities that today I'm ashamed to confess. And I use that word shame advisedly. It's that word that St. Paul uses in today's reading from Romans when he says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness? And then he asks, What advantage did you get then from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. Right here, the apostle insists that whatever advantages have come to us by means of our preferred inclinations, there's a kind of soul death that occurs if we become captive to them. By contrast, he proclaims, 
There's a promise of abundant life if we manage to put to death our affinities. Again, our compulsive default preferences and biases. Choose instead, he urges us, what he calls slavery to God or becoming slaves to righteousness or becoming obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. Let me give you an example of how I traveled a little further on that path of obedience of the heart. When I was a Boy Scout growing up in Atlanta, and here's a milestone story of my own passage from affinities to shame and breakthrough to living a more abundant life. As a high school Boy Scout, it was my turn one year to organize our monthly troop meeting in one of the members' homes for three or four months at a time, every month I scheduled the meeting and assigned it, worked it out with one of the members of our group. And month after month, I avoided having us meet at the home of any of, any of the boys who lived in the projects. The projects you may know about back then were those low-income housing developments arranged, organized by the government. And... Uh, and they contrasted sharply in my mind with the kind of suburban home that I lived in and most of the other Boy Scouts in my troop lived in. But then something happened that astonished me. One of our other members, when his turn came to schedule our meetings, assumed as a matter of course that we would meet in another member's apartment in the projects. He took it for granted that meeting in the projects was okay. He assumed the equality of our other members' status, and it blew my mind. At first amazed, eventually I became mortified to realize that I had acted out class prejudice on one of my schoolmates. To this day, I regret the kind of middle-class assumptions that allowed me to take it for granted that our friend's home was not the kind of place that we should meet in. And moreover, I've struggled to carry out my repentance by being on the lookout for opportunities to reverse that kind of prejudice in my own life and in the lives of communities that I counsel and provide leadership for. And so, church family, Christian friends, friends of Christ, listen to how one of our sister parishes describes their outreach to people who occupy their streets and alleyways how they assist people who live under the bridges and in the cracks and crannies of their neighborhood. The following offers a window into the individualized focus of their program. I transcribed it from one of the videos that you can also find on their website. It features a priest saying, there are many, many, many barriers, as you can imagine, if you're living on the street to get and keep a job so the answers are not simple, but the answers are always, and here's my key word, he said, relational. It always comes back to relationship, he went on. And that's why you need the local grassroots people, the ones who, as people walk in off the street, they get to know the name of the person that they're coming to see, because that's how they gain trust in order to listen and say, hey, you can trust to walk down this path and do this, you can trust me, I'll walk with you on this path. And he concluded, 
That's why we, mean, we need a lot of people walking side by side with each of those persons for weeks and months and even years to see them coming out of their homelessness. And then he concludes, let me ask you this. What else have we got to do in our life? What does the Lord require of us to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God? If you walk with your neighbor in need, you're walking with your God according to Jesus. Now I've just shared with you the efforts of a sister parish in our town, a parish that engages with the issue of homelessness in their way. And I want to assure you how careful they are to make it clear that there are many other ways to support mission and outreach in that community besides that particular program. They're very careful to provide other options and to encourage others other ways. But I'm also mindful of the concern that I highlighted at the beginning of my reflections on today's gospel, that there's a reward waiting for us that we're likely to miss if we forfeit this kind of opportunity. Right here and now in Pentecost season, prophetic challenges are available to us all over the place. In relation to street protests and presidential politics, as we begin this summer, Let's not miss the reward of beloved community. There are many ways to answer the gospel call to that kind of abundant life of care and connection with others. And not everyone is needed to volunteer for an outreach program addressing homelessness. But all of us are called to be somewhere on the way to challenging our affinities, to crucifying them as we carry our cross to victory in Christ. Join us today, those of us who are seeking some kind of way to heed the voice that says, whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these 